What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 28 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. Pat, we're almost at 30 episodes. We're deep into the baseball season now. Things are pretty good. Yeah, almost 30 episodes, like you said. We're just about to get to mid-May at this point, which, as we've talked about, is definitely where records start to become Mm. more and more tangible. (laughs) So things are are getting exciting. We're really happy with how the show is going, and baseball season continues. Jerry Remy, the voice of the Red Sox, made quite a statement on Twitter the other day. Did you see it by any chance? I did not. He tweeted, which is very rare for him, we're almost 25% done with the regular season. The Red Sox are the best team in baseball. They have the best record of baseball. When are people going to start seeing that that's legit? And it mm. sparked a lot of conversation. That's, that's a tough music one. music to my ears. I'm sure it is. I, I'm <laughs> still not ready to go best team in baseball for, for Boston, but did they look good? I, this is a weird year, as we've talked about it before. There are a bunch of teams that are just sitting around 500. I don't. Yeah. Boston has been kind of the one team that has jumped out as a, with a little bit of a cushion there. Uh, San Francisco, another one, which is strange to say, but, uh, it's, that race is going to be something that's really interesting all year. I mean, we, we, we think the Dodgers are that team, but then again, are they, as we're about to discuss in a little bit. So, uh, but as we said, we're about to get almost six weeks into the season here. I I definitely think you can start to take these records a lot more seriously now. Yeah. Deep was a little bit of an over-exaggeration on my part, but (laughs) the AL East gets much more interesting this week because on Tuesday, Luke Voigt was activated off of the IL. So right now the Sox have a three game lead in the AL East. That's the largest lead in any division right now. But I think Luke Voigt, you actually said it, having him back in the lineup a couple weeks ago, you mentioned that even though he's the same type of slugger that's been struggling, Aaron Judge, especially is on a huge skid right now. That makes the Yankees much more frightening. Yeah, he's he's just so important to everything that they do there. I don't know what Yankee magic they worked on him once they acquired him in a deal from uh, from St. Louis, but he is a key cog to the middle of that order, and Gene Carlos Stanton is playing probably the best baseball he's played since he got to the Yankees right now, which has been yeah. huge for them and getting them over 500. He's fun to watch. Yes. Period, yeah. All right, so before we get into the game plan of today, let's go through new followers of the week. We are drafting... The Stories Pod, Tenton Hall Wood School, and East Coast Gridiron Podcast. Thank you to those Ooh. four pods. We are at, still at 44 reviews. As you're listening right now, it only takes a second. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review to let us know what you think, and it really helps us out in the whole Apple algorithm. So thank you for, for the support, as always. And, Pat, I'm super excited about today because usually – We spend a lot of time thinking about the structure. We have a very precise game plan, how we're going to go through everything. We focus on players or teams. Today, we're kind of in, we're in the middle of May, early May still. We're just going to focus on some storylines. I have two things. You have a really cool one. Just kind of taking the pulse of what's going on in all of these divisions right now. Yeah, I think it's a good time to be able to do that. As you say, as we've discussed, we're in May at this point. You know, we... We're kind of at a point where let's just look at some interesting stories that we think is a lot of fun to follow. There are a couple things that, or a couple themes that we really want to look at, and that's kind of what we're going to use this episode for. So a little different than what we're used to, but uh, I think it should work out. Yeah. So I'll start with my first one, and it's not necessarily fun for the people involved. I think the Dodgers have a problem. Oof. I think 
the Dodgers have a problem. You mentioned at the top, the Giants are one of the best teams in baseball right now. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers currently sit at 18 and 17. We are recording on Tuesday night, May 11th. So this will uh, be different on the morning of the 12th because the Dodgers play tonight. But they're third in the NL West. Giants are in first at 21 and 14. Padres are in second at 19 and 16. There is obviously a huge clump. A three-game stretch for the Dodgers could change their entire fortune around, which is why a lot of people lead to your side of you can't put too much stock in these records yet because a small sample size, all that. But the last time the Dodgers won a series, Pat, at San Diego on April 16th. It is May 11th. The Dodgers have lost five straight series, and these were the teams. San Diego, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Chicago, and the Los Angeles Angels. Yikes. Yikes. Yikes is right. It has been... <laughs> you think of the stretch they started off, what, they start 14-4? and four? Yep. Uh, off the season, and 13 now thirteen and two is what everybody's talking 13 about. Thirteen and two, yeah. and I believe they're in a four and thirteen swing right now. It's to me, we're sitting here on May eleventh. It is the single most surprising thing that has yep. happened this season. I mean, you could look at a bunch of different things. You can say San Francisco is leading the West. You know, you've got the Braves struggling out there. Kansas City has been in contention a little more than I think a lot of people thought. Uh, even though Shohei Otani's an incredible start, I think there have been some surprising things that we've seen this year nothing surprises me more than the Los Angeles Dodgers going into a 4-13 and 13 stretch because you just look at that team, and we talked about it going into the year. That is as close to a super team as you're going to get with going yep. down that lineup, adding Trevor Bauer into that rotation. You know, the Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, uh, Urias-type type rotation they're able to throw out there. It doesn't make sense for them to be able to, or for them to be in this spot, and I think we're about to get into some reasons to why we think they are there. Yeah, perfect segue for me. Thank you. Oh, of so course, I try. I'll mention just since the the heralded San Diego season that we had a whole podcast about. That was our Is It a Rivalry podcast mm-hmm. when Mookie Betts made that insane throw, uh, insane catch to end the game. Eric Cosmer's hits, Fernando Tatis's one home run, all that. Fernando Tatis actually, as a side note, got COVID today on Tuesday. Yes. So that is horrible news. A bunch of guys went on the IL. It's been a bad injury week for baseball, period. Dustin May is having Tommy John, which is a huge reason why the Dodgers are in this skid. But anyways, 5-19 and 19 since that San Diego series. This is their worst stretch since 2017 and since April 17th during that San Diego series. They are tied for the worst batting average in the NL. Exactly. Here's what here's what I really wanted to get into. Mookie Betts is hitting sub 250 right now. Mm-hmm. Corey Seager, same thing. Trevor Bauer has actually been so the hitting, the offense will come around. Max Muncie is, I was I actually don't even know exactly what it is. Potentially sub 200 in the stretch that I just illuminated in this uh, uh, road stretch that the Dodgers were, were went on two and eight against those teams that. For a lot of them, are not even playoff contenders. Chicago, the Reds, even the Angels are the last team in the AL West right now. That's a brutal stretch for the reigning World Series champions to go on. I think the offense will be okay. The starting pitching has actually been its one saving grace. Starters have a 297 ERA, which is just a notch higher than the Mets. The Dodgers have a bullpen problem. Yes, they do. This is what 
as a fan, you can really become concerned with. I, I really and truly think that the Dodgers have a bullpen problem. And this isn't something, if they really want, if the Giants really start to get steam, if the Padres start getting healthy and the Dodgers still aren't, they need to get a bullpen piece before the deadline. Because at this point, if they continue this slide, they can't be in a position where they're six or seven games behind the Giants. That scares me a little bit. And I never in a million years thought I would be saying that. <laughs> oh, that, that's so interesting. So I'll, I'll go first with the, the batting. And you've definitely hit it on the head there. Uh, that hitting has been a huge problem with them, especially the last couple weeks. Just a, the last three weeks, Gavin Lux is hitting 212, Mookie Betts 211, Corey Seager 208, Austin Barnes 200, and Max Muncy 132. So there you go with the offense not coming through, and you are also dead right on, on the bullpen. My favorite stat I've seen so far for them, in 32 games, they have blown 12 saves. Yep. In a 60-game season last year, they only blew 10. It's so, mind-blowing. Yeah, it, it, I think a lot of it comes down to that. It's the bullpen has not been good. Listen, a part of that is injuries. With The Dodgers have definitely been hit with some some pretty rough injury luck You know, to start the season. You got Greater All, Scott Alexander, Corey Gnabel, Tony Gonsolin, David Price have all had IL time this season. You talked about Dustin May missing out uh, for the rest of the season through injury, which I'm not sure got as much attention as it probably should be for how electric of an arm he has. And just something that I don't think too many people look at with the Dodgers is that their defense has been horrific. Mm. They have 19 errors this season. That is the and that has led to the second most unearned runs allowed in the National League. Wow, I when, didn't know that. That's when you're struggling at the plate like they are currently right now, you can't afford to be, you know, a, a train wreck in the field and that's what they've been uh, for a lot of the time. So, I think it's a multitude of issues really uh, you know, going being rolled into one which has caused the Dodgers to go on this roll. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I think that they are going to be able to turn the corner on that, especially once the Cody Bellinger comes back and that bullpen gets a little more healthy. I still look at the Dodgers as the best team at baseball, but I, I think this stretch illuminates that there are some issues in there, especially average-wise, especially fielding-wise. And then to one of your favorite points as well, depth. I mean, look at it. They lost Kike Hernandez. They lost Jock Peterson this offseason. And I, I think our friend Danny Vietti mentioned that as well. When he came on, you know, those, I understand that the Dodgers will come with their depth. You know, they had the Luke Rayleigh, the Zach McKintree was the really nice story before he got injured. Like, yes, they do put up players and they do seem to step in and continue to compete and continue to produce, but they are not getting that same production right now. And that has been, as we've discussed before, one of the Dodgers big strains over the last couple of years. And yeah. right now it's not helping them. Yeah. So the depth piece, I actually read an interesting article the mu- so coincidentally, you, you can't obviously take this on its own. Jack Peterson is hitting sub 200. Kike Hernandez has an OPS sub 700, and he's on the IL right now. But that money that would have gone to signing them went into signing Trevor Bauer, which you still might not agree with me. I still think was the right decision because he's been really, really good. He has been. And it goes also into the future of Corey Seager slash Cody Bellinger. It's actually kind of eerie when we recorded the Padres-Dodgers episode. I vividly remember saying we pretty much went through the entire episode without mentioning Cody Bellinger because he wasn't an entity in that series Mm -hmm. because the Dodgers were so good. And now the saving grace is him coming back, right? He is all of a sudden seen as, okay, as long as Cody Bellinger comes back, 
this offense is going to find himself. He doesn't even have a timetable. Nope. Joe Kelly doesn't have a timetable. Bruce Dargratterall, I believe, is on the IL for the second time this season. He's got a ton of issues. Tony Gonsolin is a long way out. David Price is weeks, if not months, out. Corey Knable is months out. The, the bullpen was the one weakness that the Dodgers had last year. They made a valiant effort to try and strengthen it this year so that Kenley Jansen wouldn't have to be in high-leverage situations. We both thought a combination of Trinan, Bruce Dahl-Gratterall, Julio Urias, and Victor Gonzalez would be the closer. Kenley Jansen is back in that high-leverage situation spot, and that is not the guy that the Dodgers want to be seeing. It's awesome when you see Zach McKinstry have a stretch like that. It's horrible when Zach McKinstry is on the I.L., (laughs) then you're still having problems and you're having to rely on a guy like DJ Peters. Mm -hmm. At some point, they just kind of got to the end of it, you know? I completely agree, yeah. The farm system that Andrew Freeman created, it just continued to draw people out of nowhere who were on the list for Rookie of the Year candidates. And, of course, at some point, that talent is going to shore up. That's a little premature because who knows what type of career Luke Raley or DJ Peters is going to have, but the bullpen, it scares me, and Kenley Jansen can't hold up in these situations anymore. He's actually been doing okay so far, but other than him, Trinan, and Victor Gonzalez, really, they've had to rely on um, Garrett Clevenger, guys like him. It's just not enough, and I didn't... It hasn't been illuminated as clearly as it has right now, that at the deadline, the Dodgers are still going to have to be active, if not sooner. Yeah, and and I think they will be. Uh, I think we've seen it from Andrew Friedman that he will go out there and make a big splash. I mean, just think of Manny Machado from a couple of years ago. it's just crazy that that move still needs to happen. Mm -hmm. With this team structured the way that it is, constructed the way that it is, they still need another person to get them over the top. Oh, definitely. And I do think it's worth noting that Kenley Jansen has actually, has pitched well this season for him. But it's also, you can't say that without the elephant in the room with him, that he's averaging nine walks per nine innings. Yeah. He has 14 walks in 14 innings. That's <laughs> that's unacceptable. That cannot happen. And to your point of high leverage situations, no, he hasn't really allowed it to bite him so far. He's only allowed uh, three earned runs this season, but 14 walks in 14 innings against some of the better teams in baseball, that is going to come back and crush you That's late. exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah and it, and the that- playoff situations still scar me. Yeah, no, it's dangerous. And then to depth, too, I think they've really been bit by the fact that Gavin Lux is supposed to be a top prospect in the game. Mm. And he has come up and, and, you know, now all three of his real cups of coffee in the big leagues has not been good. It's 240, 175, 209. And Mm. yes, he's only played 67 games. So is it fair to completely hold him to that? Absolutely not. But what we've seen in in the sample size from someone that has been touted as one of the top prospects in all of baseball has been incredibly underwhelming. And I think that has set the Dodgers back a little bit. Yeah. So to sum this up, do I still think they're the best team in baseball? Yes. Yeah. Do do I I think they will be okay? Yes. Do I still think they will win the division? Yes. A large part of that, though, is that the Padres aren't capitalizing. Mm-hmm. And not all of that is their own doing, or, or it's a lot up to injury as well. But I tweeted the last couple of days, the Padres literally dreamed of this type of situation, of this type of 5-19 and 19 stretch. At this point, the Padres would hope they were five games over. 
That's where the Giants are right now. I think they're three games above. But if the Padres aren't going to do it, now the Giants are doing it. I don't think that's as long-term as the Padres could be. But at some point, something's going to have to change. And either organization, somebody's going to have to be healthy. Somebody's going to have to step up. And that could be Gavin Lux. Yep. I'm just, man, when we hit the end of May, then this is real. Then this Mm -hmm. is real. And then it's 25% of the season, and the Dodgers are just over 500. Yeah, I for them, uh, my big thing is stay afloat sounds so weird to say about the Los Angeles Dodgers and this iteration of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But if they hover a couple games over 500, I'm still expecting some pretty heavy regression from San Francisco. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think you're going to see San Diego step it up once they are able to get healthy. But for them, I think it is just, it, they're so good where you can say just tread water because I'm imagining they're going to turn things around. That roster is way too talented. Yeah, but Mookie Betts at, isn't going to be hitting this no, forever. No, but but as you said, there are some weaknesses that I think are being exposed right now, and that especially has been the field, you know, some of, the, some of that bullpen, and the depth is different this year. And yeah. I, I think you've kind of seen that through this stretch. And it's made me think a lot about the future of Seager and Bellinger. Mm. It's kind of all... I, I kind of got the feeling that it was more towards Seager. Maybe that's recency bias because of how well he played in the postseason and also that his contract expires first. But Bellinger has made a case for himself as being one of the most valuable players on this team, and he's not even on the field right now. Yep. And that's exactly my point. So I'm super excited to see. It was a road stretch. I'm excited for them to come home, see how they do. I think the biggest strength for them right now is having the combination of Bauer, Bueller, and Kershaw go out and pitch seven or eight innings and have their offense score two to three runs and keep <laughs> themselves afloat. Yeah, they're over this stretch of, you know, this really poor stretch of them. I think they're only averaging like 3.1 runs per game, yeah. uh, which isn't going to get it done too many nights. But when you've got the way that, you know, Bauer and Bueller especially are pitching right now, maybe it is. <laughs> right. Did you see the interaction between Dave Roberts and Bauer? He pulled him after six. And Bauer was pleading to let him stay in. He was at like ninety three pitches already. He wanted to go to wanted to I, go back out there. I like that. That's I I like my starters going deep into games. So Me too. I, I, I'm all for them fighting for it. All right. What was your topic that you're looking at this week? Oh, you want me to go into mine now? I thought we were yeah. gonna finish with that. All right, that works. So I I'm kind of we'll phrase it as old and new is how we're gonna look at it as a way to Albert Pujols, of course, was released by the Los Angeles Angels last week. So kind of an end of an era. I I fear the end of a career there as well. And then on the new side of things, Jared Kelnick, one of the top prospects in all of the Major League Baseball, I believe he comes in at number three, uh, is it will be making his debut Thursday for the Seattle Mariners and what is going to be the more one of the more anticipated debuts in a very, very long time. Uh, which one do you want to attack first? Uh, let's do Pujols first. Pujols first? It's, it's too depressing to end on him. I think that's fair. <laughs> so, I understand. It is the only words to describe this situation are awkward, messy, yes. uncomfortable. Everyone is just kind of looking in the opposite direction and trying not to catch the eye of anybody else because it's just so awkward. Mm-hmm. What it reminded me of, and, and it's not the same thing, but... When Julian Edelman was released, the words that people will remember, or the words that I will remember specifically, the Patriots released him. And it ended up being a part of his contract that I think he got more money that way. It was a retirement. 
but he was released. Albert Pujols was designated for assignment, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's going to be the last thing we heard we hear about him. That just didn't sit with me. I understand all of the points about production over the last 11 seasons. You can look at the numbers. They're pretty yep. clear as day. But what I want to focus on and what I have been feeling very strongly about is that I don't think as an organization you regret signing Albert Pujols. And you and I haven't talked about this. I'm curious to hear what you think. I get mm. that it was, it was an extreme amount of money and didn't reap any of the benefits that you hoped it would. And I'm not saying that you pay that amount of money to have a mentor figure. I'm not going to be naive and say that. But I think you still prefer to have Pujols in your organization. I don't think the Angels regret giving him that. Yes, they could have put that money into other things like pitchers, hello, <laughs> but it's not like they've done that since anyway. They have a long history. Any, I, we don't need to get go down that path. But I just feel very strongly that I wish it was handled differently. Reports have come out since that he didn't want to stop playing. And the Angels are in a position where Jared, Jared Walsh went four for four last uh, Monday night. Yep. He's tearing the cover off the ball. Pujols became a bench player. That's not how he wanted to end. Unfortunately, that's not how the public wanted to end. But the Angels were in a position where they have to put themselves in a position to win. And the craziest thing is that Albert Pujols no longer puts them in that position. Yeah, I I like how you put it there. I I agree that I think the the overarching feeling for it is I I don't fully agree how it was handled just because it was so abrupt. I would right. have loved for them to say say they announce it on a Tuesday that he's going to be released. You know, after a Sunday, they they send him out there one more time. You know, to be able to do something like that. I also understand you're in May and the Angels are trying to win games, and so so you know the, you're less inclined to do that but i would have liked to have seen that for someone of his stature but i am also like very heavily in the on the side of it needed to happen mm. he has been not only a not albert Pujols, but a bad player for the a, last yeah like a five below plus average years. bench yeah. player and i think ken rosenthal put it most starkly in the athletic so I, i'm actually going to read this right from it because it's just so perfect to, to sum it up, from 2017 to 2021, his OPS plus was 15% below league average, 11th worst in Major League Baseball, two players with higher OPS pluses than him in that stretch, Freddie Galvis and Jose Iglesias. Yeah, who also He's, plays on the Angels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been done for a while, uh, and it's been sad. You know, this contract is... Again, it's so hard to say these things, but this contract is going to go down as one of the bigger failures in, in Major League Baseball. And it, it sucks to say it. It does. But 10 years, $240 million for not a single playoff win, one all-star appearance. Uh, you know, his career average dropped by 70 points basically the second he got into L.A., He's been a horrible fielder for a while, so they haven't really been able to put him out at first base. It's just so sad because all of that said, because I feel terrible being so negative about it, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's not a question that he's a first. Exactly. It's not a question. But I think you can have that perspective while also saying his stint with the Angels was a disaster. I'm comfortable saying it was a disaster, and I know he had 40 home run seasons. I don't care. They paid 
<laughs> to have one of the greats come there in a long-term deal. And they never got him. They never got it. So, so Pat, do you think that the Angels regret signing him? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that that... T- I understand Artie Moreno's got money. He's, you know, he is one of the richer owners in baseball. But when you sign him, you're not signing him to not win a playoff game over 10 years. Can so I say I, something? Yeah. Has Mike Trout done any better in his nine seasons? No. I, well, performance-wise, you know, obviously yeah. times a million. So but the that, same result. It's the same result, no? Yes, but it's where could you allocate that money? You had it in yeah. a player that has been awful for five or six years, eating up 30-plus million dollars of your payroll per year. And I think that, so looking at that, I think you regret it. Yeah, the difference is that I, I think... I think we'll look back and realize that Trout's contract was actually pretty team-friendly. He should Um, have been paid $800 million. Right, (laughs) right. So my thing is that I understand that the production obviously was very absent. Yep. But the way that the market is changing, you either offer this type of money and honestly, you just freaking deal with it. Or you don't get these types of players. Mm-hmm. I think the guy, the teams and the owners that were in on Pujols at the time that the Angels outbidded can look back now because, of course, 2020 hindsight and say, man, thank God we didn't yes. do that. It was the Cubs and the Marlins. But for some, I'm going to stick with it. I do not think that the Angels should regret signing him. There's nothing that shows that any GM during the 10, 10 or 11 years that Pujols was in L.A., would have done anything different. When yep. have they done anything different in the past? It's it's just so easy to look back on it now and have all these opinions. I mean, Fernando Tatis's contract, that one is actually pretty team-friendly, too. That could end up to be a bust. Francisco Lindor's contract to be a, could end up being a bust. But as these players continue to progress and hit the market and earn... 400 million Juan Soto could literally earn 450 (laughs) plus million dollars teams are still offering it it just continues to rise and the numbers are absolutely insane Garrett Cole's contract absolutely insane and these guys the difference is that all of these guys perform better than Albert Pujols has performed in any of his years I get it I still just don't think that the Angels should regret it no, and I, I get that point. And you are 100% right on at the time, you, I, you don't fault them at all because they thought, you know, they were getting St. Louis Albert Pujols. Right. The problem was St. Louis Albert Pujols never got off that plane. To the I, guess it's just, I guess it's just my, my complaint, my annoyance with this whole conversation that everybody's been having the past week is that why do we even need to talk about the disaster contracts? Yeah. Who can know that at the time? Of course, if... Who wouldn't give that type of money to the St. Louis version of Albert Pujols? Exactly. No, you're you're 100% yeah. right there. I, I do not fault them whatsoever for giving it out. Looking back at it, though, I think it does go down as one of the big failures in yeah. baseball, which is just so sad. It, it really is. But again, nothing, none of that even takes away from... If, if Albert retired at age 32 after he was done with St. Louis, he's still going still, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Pota- <laughs> potentially even quicker and swifter yeah i i completely agree so and i think that's why all of this makes it so complicated and so painful to go over because it's not it's not how this story should end yeah and uh, the worst part for me sorry to interrupt you the worst part for me is that i read that ken rosenthal article i've been reading a bunch of other stuff some reports came out earlier this week that 
him and Madden sat down and Pujols was just livid about it, like would not Mm -hmm. take the answer. And that makes it harder too because the numbers don't lie. Jared Walsh has become a better hitter than Albert Pujols, which is, again, unfathomable. But was Pujols really in the position where he just wasn't going to let that go? That's hard for me to comprehend. It's just – you're completely right. It's so hard to go back and forth about – but you didn't answer the most important question about whether this is the last we see of him. It, I think it definitely is. Okay. I would I w- love a St. Louis reunion. I would love a St. Louis reunion, too. The problem is Paul Goldschmidt sitting there. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the issue. It's got to be an American League team because he can't field. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the White Sox were thrown out there because of Tony Larusa. Even Larusa said no. He denied um, that, yeah. Yeah. I, I the crazy think this thing, is it. I, we mentioned it with Rugnan Odor. Rugnit Odor was designated from assignment from the Texas Rangers, and then he was starting for the Yankees, which was a clear sign of how the Yankees were struggling. (laughs) If Albert Pujols isn't playing for the last seed, the last team in the AL West, is he really going to go play for the St. Louis Cardinals, who are favorites for the NL Central title? Is he really going to go play for the AL Central, where Yermin Mercedes is a frontrunner for AL Rookie of the Year? In terms of numbers, it's not feasible. In terms of storyline, I would love to see it. The worst part of all is that this is going to be the last thing we hear. And and that just makes me upset. Question for you on that, though. Would it make you feel any better if he signs a one-year deal with the Detroit Tigers to DH? Or do you feel like that's just (laughs) weird? Because for me, I'd rather him go out than try and hold on with a team that's going to lose 100-plus games just to get at-bats. So I... Miggy as terrible and, and as Pujols it is, would be pretty cool, actually. That, that's and that's part <laughs> no. of why I threw out Detroit as well, because I, I think that would, it's. But you know, Cabrera is going through the same thing right now, where he's yeah. not hitting at all as well, and he might be next on the chopping block. Yeah, I guess the the ideal situation is that they were on the same page, and by they yeah. I mean Pujols and the Angels executives and Madden and whoever was involved. I wish that they could have done a ceremony. I wish it could have been an intro situation. I, I do too. They That's give them hurts. a day. They make the video, all that stuff that gives you the chills. I just wish people could have been on the same page about it because now there's the victim and the aggressor and people are made out to be the bad guys and then people are going to say that Pujols is trying to bring back the prime. Like now people are f- freaking out about Pujols' numbers. That's not necessary mm-hmm. right no, now. No, it's not. Ne- it's not necessary. Yeah. At all. I, that's exactly how I put it is, listen, you can make this decision on a Tuesday to announce that it's going to happen and still yeah. give him a time to walk off the field on a exactly. Sunday home game. Like it, exactly. it should exactly have been handled. Exactly what they did it. for Ichiro. Yeah. yeah. I, the situ, I ag- honestly, I agree with them moving on from him. I do not agree with how it was handled. <laughs> that's yeah. the best way I can put it. The angels are in dire straits. They need to start winning games. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, the storyline that is really getting overshadowed here. They can't afford to waste at bats, and that's harsh, but they're in a position where they really have to win. That's their own doing. We've talked about that before. But, yeah, let's just finish it with Pujols had an incredible career. He'll be in the Hall of Fame with that Cardinals hat on, Mm -hmm. and that's what we can remember. Definitely not an Angels hat on. (laughs) (laughs) But he will go in first ballot people aren't burning those angels uniforms (laughs) exactly and then so we we talk about a sad end there and we can do this quickly because i know we want to move through your third topic as well um jared kelnick being promoted on thursday i'm really excited for it uh i know he's hitting over 400 in the minors this season you know he seem again seems to be one of the more highly touted outfield prospects we've seen in a really long time and for seattle you know they've got a little bit of a crop 
coming up there with yeah. him and Julio Rodriguez and uh, they've George Kirby's one of the pitchers that that's coming up for them. You know, there there's some Jerry Depoto plays quite the game out there trading <laughs> trading places. Uh they've gone through quite the rebuild, you know, really tearing things down from a team that was old and very expensive to where they are now. I do. I'm very happy for Mariners fans that they're going to get to see Kelnick come up yeah. and 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 start to try to turn this franchise around. He could legitimately be one of the best players in baseball in the next couple of years. I'm very excited for him. And the craziest thing is that the Mariners are 18 and 17 right now. They are in the thick of things in the ALS, and I'm sure that we both agree that's not going to continue as we get so. even a month from now. But they are above 500. And they're not even close to being as good as they can be. Uh, Kalenic, Rodriguez, Logan Gilbert, another mm, guy. Good point. I think he, I think he is their highest ranked prospect in the pitching prospect in their system. Yes, they are all going to come up this year, and it is going to create as much buzz as Ichiro Prime Ichiro did. This team is going to be really, really good, and they can get a ton out of a guy like Mitch Haniger. That outfield is going to be pretty full. Tyler uh, Taylor Trammell is there too. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been having a really good quiet season. Put Mitch Haniger on the block. Get a couple of good prospects back for him. Load that uh, that outfield with really young, solid prospects. Load the lineup. Get a few pitchers in there who can really throw. And in three years, we are looking at a AL West perennial contender yeah a team that could compete and i think yeah. that's all you're looking for out there and it's been I, a long drought <laughs> it, it has been it's been a very long drought for them in playoff appearances so yeah. no this this is the first step in getting there and just to talk about the hype for it like i'm gonna be watching that game on yes. thursday night because i want to see his first game in major league baseball i'm very excited for it i am not a mariners fan yes there's a little bit of a mets connection with them but i i just he is electric basically yeah. from all the highlights that we've seen for him and I think this could really turn a new page. So I'm, I'm very excited to see him play. For all of the bad press that the that baseball has gotten this year, and I really do feel like there's been a lot of it just with the rule changes and the demographics and everybody just griping about... Upcoming labor about, stuff. Yeah, yeah. just no, everybody no. griping about how bad of a place baseball is in. I thoroughly disagree in terms of the talent that we have mm-hmm. waiting in the minor league system. And I can that's literally, here. Yeah, I, I can name 10 guys off of the top of my head right now that could change the game of baseball. Yep, Kalanick's uh, one of those guys. Rodriguez is one of those guys. Witt Jr., Adley Rutschman, Wander Franco. Wander Franco, yeah. Uh, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And it's clubs that haven't seen even competition in so many years. So it's going to be so cool to watch. Add that in with all the young stars that we're seeing you know, right. through the game oh, yeah. right now. Of course. It's, I think, as you put it, I think player-wise, baseball is in one of the best places it's been in a very long time, yeah, and it's that's going to continue to grow. Rules-wise, I think we'll talk about in a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm totally with you there. Yeah, and if and if people can't appreciate the talent and how they change the game of baseball, then I think you're you're watching for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that because you should just be appreciating how fun these guys are to watch. But you gave me another perfect segue. That's that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) You've teed me up perfectly. So my last thing, no hitters are good for baseball. I'm curious to hear what you think about it. The reason I bring it up, obviously, is because Wade Miley threw the fifth no hitter 
of this season. The fifth no-hitter in 29 days back on Friday night. No-hit the Cleveland Indians for the second time this season, which needs to be said but isn't the point of the story. (laughs) Just a bit of a background on Wade Miley before I get into my real point. He signed a two-year, $15 million contract two years ago. Last year, he ended up losing a starting rotation spot, spent a bunch of time on the IL. This year, started the year two starts, 11 shutout innings. In his next three starts, he gave up eight runs and 16 innings. And then he went out and threw a no-hitter. So it's interesting. Baseball, man. It's a funny game. Wade Miley, he is a 10-plus year vet. Never really in the storylines. He spent time on the Astros shifting around and the reason we can get into the rules if you want to talk about it but the reason why I think no hitters are so awesome is because of the people they happen to and I actually talked about this on a weekly walk-off it was right after Carlos Rodon's no hitter and it was right in the prime of Corbin Burns who unfortunately has been losing some of that flash just because he's been injured but he's still having an insane year Joe Musgrove hometown kid and San Diego's drought of no-hitters. Of no no-hitters, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Carlos Rodon was non-tendered by the White Sox this offseason. John Means plays on the Orioles. I mean, that in and of itself. Uh, Wade Miley, the story I mentioned, the fact that he's never really been in the spotlight. And then am I missing one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, that was five, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's Means, Miley, Musgrove, Rodon. And, oh my god, and my favorite... Madison Bumgarner. Who oh, in God. my book, <laughs> in my book, I actually said five no hitters. You didn't. You didn't say anything about it. I, I made it very casual. There technically have been four no hitters. Madison Bumgarner's seven inning no hitter, which won't go down in the history books, but in my book, it does qualify as a no hitter, and that is potentially the best of all because it's freaking Mad Bump. It's Mad Bump, yeah. But I just, I think the storylines are so cool. Everybody's talking about how bad the offense is. I mm-hmm. get it. But still, I would like to do a survey of how many people with the MLB TV package don't click on the game that says no hitter in the oh, you red have to. box. You have right? to. You can't pass that up. I mean, So that it's, means it's good for baseball. It's like candy once it pops up on my screen. You always right. got to go into it. Oh, it's so interesting because in, in a one-off, no hitters are very good for baseball. As you said, like they're so watchable. They're so exciting. It is so cool to be on that part of history. I love it. I love the kind of disparity in no hitters that we've seen this season. Uh, I, you know, I quote them a lot and I'll do it again with Paul Hembakitis, our friend that came on the show, uh, 90 mile per hour pitchers in 90 mile per hour pitches thrown in 2021 for their no per their no hitters. John means 60. Carlos Rodon, 57, then down to Joe Musgrove through 31, and Wade Miley, my favorite, at 7. You know, it shows, it shows you the difference that you get in it. So, no-hitters as a whole, yeah, I'm all for. The problem is that I think it signifies a greater issue in baseball, and that is how much of an issue, how far ahead pitchers are yeah. of hitters in the sport right now. And, I mean, just looking at it, going through the month of April, there were over 1,000 more strikeouts than hits in the month that is not good baseball to watch and the league batting average is 234 which is lower than 1968 which is known as the year of the pitcher so it in a way as we said just focusing on no hitters alone yeah i'm all for it but i also do think it signifies a greater problem with major league baseball in that just not enough balls are put in play and i do think that is a massive problem for the sport going forward 
Man, you had to just get all technical on me. I did. Kill my I had. No, I know. It's listen <laughs> to your point of the no hitters. That's why I wanted to say that. Like, yeah. I'm so with you. I love it. It's awesome. But there, there is a problem in baseball, and I think the no hitter kind of underlies it. That. Yeah. No. The 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 greatest issue, and you nailed it on the head, is that of how far ahead pitchers are right now. Mm. The fact that the Indians have been no hit twice. This season, I don't, have to check, I don't have to check the record books to know that that has never happened before. That is insane. And actually, I, I'm actually not sure. I just made that up. But I can it, actually it would... say the Mets were no hit twice in a year a couple years ago. Really? Recently? Chris, Chris Heston and Max Scherzer. Wow. Well, at least Max Scherzer is respected. Yeah, we don't but... talk about the Chris Heston yeah. no hitter. <laughs> it doesn't but, happen often, to your point. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. Everybody's talking about it. I mean, really, the... The the craziest thing I saw a couple of weeks ago when the Mets were on Sunday Night Baseball, they showed a graphic of the Mets pitch the Mets pitchers batting line, and it was about two hundred points less than Francisco Lindor's batting line. Yeah, Sunday yeah, Night Baseball yeah. chose violence that day. We'll leave that there. But hitters are struggling, and it's just because pitchers have such an edge and. Luckily for a lot of hitters, J.D. Martinez is the first guy I think of. Having the iPads back really mm-hmm. help. Having the in-game video really helps. DHs, I mean, John Carlos Stanton is benefiting from that too. But something has to change. In my opinion, moving the mound back doesn't help. Putting a runner on second base doesn't help. We have to start thinking of other ideas. My personal favorite is just having starters pitch longer. Having them attack the strike zone more. I still think... I'm against banning the shift. I don't know if that changes anything. That's just become so much a part of the game. Hitters should just be getting better. But something has to change. You're, you're 100% right. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, we won't go through a full rules thing because we could honestly do a whole podcast on that, especially now hearing that because I am for banning the shift. So really? we could go through that. All right, we could bring that up. But yeah, maybe next episode we can yeah, talk about e- exactly. I'm curious to hear what you think. Oh, I, yeah, I could certainly go through it, but I don't think today is the day for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, overall point, it, it's very exciting to see these. But I, I as you said, something's got to change. Something's got to give. I mean, you really could you could do a full episode on dissecting every singles pitcher's no-hit performance. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And then the best part about Wade Miley's was at the end, his son, in his post-game interview, he showed his arm, and his son had given him one of those tattoos of the Incredible Hulk, and he had kept it on his <laughs> arm the whole game. It was so cute. Such a cool story. It, it is. And then just a, a fun fact with the no-hitters, too. So every every performance is ranked by game score. I believe it's either fan graphs or baseball reference. I'm, okay. I'm blanking on which one, you know, out of 100. There have been, as you put it, five no-hitters. Some will say four, but we'll go five no-hitters <laughs> Thank this you. season. The second best pitching performance this year is by Jacob deGrom in a non-no-hitter. Wow. <laughs> and that is from his... Uh, 15 strikeout performance against the Washington Nationals. Yeah, that, was, that was a huge one. Yes. So wow. uh, a little DeGrom, uh, throw that in there. Get well soon, Jake. Yes. Completely agree, you. by the way, with I him, even though the MRI came back clean. Just yep. rest the guy. You don't mess with the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> Give <laughs> yeah. him some time. <laughs> All right, cool. So that wraps up the baseball segment. My number is in the football world. Where Ooh. are you going with yours? Hmm, I'm going to the hockey world. All right. I'll go first with football. This is a cool one. This is one of the ones I've been most excited to talk about in all the times that we've done this segment. The craziest number I heard this week, Pat, was 3,055. Ooh, I have no idea where you're going with this. 
That is the number of days it's been since oh, Tim no. Tebow I know. Yep. last played in an NFL game. It was a 2015 NFL preseason game. As you listen, on Wednesday, 3,055 games, and he will now be a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Urban Meyer, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he's he's definitely not going to be fired after two years. Um, um, good for Tim, but I am beyond perplexed. I've seen some people spin this as this is Urban Meyer's way to take all of the attention off Trevor Trevor Lawrence come training camp. I still I think that is grasping at the yeah. thinnest of straws. Um, I don't get it. Like it's, as I was brutally honest on pool holes, I'll be brutally honest on this. I don't get it. I just I don't understand the appeal of signing someone that hasn't even played the sport in years. And not yes. only are you doing that, you are then changing his position. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, he seems to just need to figure himself out a bit. Yeah. We last saw him in the Mets minor league system, correct? Yes. It was yeah, the Mets? Yes. That was a couple of years ago. He was obviously uber successful in college at the University of Florida with Urban Meyer. Really just putted out in the NFL. Now he's coming back as a tight end. It makes me sick that... He gets this chance so easily when Colin Kaepernick's been sitting on the sidelines for so long. I think that is a part of it. But he is now the fifth or the sixth tight end on this Jacksonville roster. That was another thing that I read that it just honestly confuses me. I'm not sure where he fits into this game plan. I still, the fact that people are talking about what you just said about him creating headlines that cannot be more false how can that be more false travis etn will be more interesting to watch than tim tebow at these in these preseason games or in the offseason whatever yeah it just it it, it caught it caught me by surprise let's just say that so that's why i needed to bring it up here i i'll be i'm disappointed i i just don't you're telling me that you're looking for a tight end on the roster and you couldn't find a single one out there that is you know played football that's a good point. You know, recently, and you bring him in, it just, I don't get it. I'd, and it's not against Tim Tebow. It's not Tim Tebow's fault. Like, yeah. it, it's it's He's in a good enough shape to earn a tryout. Like, that is impressive. It is yeah, impressive I, what I, I'm sure of it. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like, just yeah. think of the rest of the football community, what they must think of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, yeah, you just right. you just landed Trevor Lawrence. You know, you just got it's ETN. You're supposed to be on the build or on the mend and trying to rebuild this thing, and and this is where you're going to allocate yeah. resources to and, and allocate a roster spot. I just Meyer's going to have to prove that he has a master plan. That's he's the bottom line. Here. He's gone in two years. I firmly yeah. believe it. That's he's gone that's in two a years. hot take. I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to go that far, but I'm curious to see truly like how this is all going to factor out because yeah. he's got to have a plan. Yep. No, I, <laughs> let's hope he has a plan because I'm not <laughs> sure what it is. Um, and then I'll go through mine quickly. My number is 53, and that is the amount of games it took Connor McDavid to reach 100 points on the season. Wow. <laughs> He's now sitting at 102 in 54 games. There is no one like Connor McDavid in hockey. I think there is an argument to be made that he is the most dominant athlete in North American sports right now wow. out of all of them. Again, a, a discussion for another day, but I, I do think that argument can very easily be made. Uh, there's just, there's no one like him. And to see 
how much fun it is to watch the Edmonton Oilers. And I don't know if they've got enough defensively to really go on a run this year. But offensively with him and Drysaddle, it's, you know, we've got NHL playoffs right around the corner starting this weekend. I think it's very exciting. And it's just too much for me to not point out the ridiculousness of Connor McDavid getting 100 points in 53 games. That's insane. I am not an NHL buff, so I cannot talk about the specifics. But what I was going to mention is just how fun that makes it. Yep. Like, so so often people, even with the Polish thing, they get caught up in the numbers and the storylines and all that. This is the perfect example of somebody that just did something absolutely insane. Rory McIlroy went out this past weekend and won for the first time in over a year. Absolutely insane. It's just cool when stuff like that happens. And now Conor McGregor is in the record books for a very valid reason. I don't know about the best athlete in North American sports, though. Uh, it's I I'd, I could definitely argue most dominant. Just no one does oh, what yeah, he does. Yeah, most, most dominant. dominant. Um, mm. But it's, like I said, an argument for another day. He's in the conversation. We'll, we'll put it that way because it is art to watch that man yeah. play hockey. Well said. Love that. Steph Curry, I'll just say. Just <laughs> oh, just interesting. There. The artist. Cool. So... That one was good. I see we we've talked a lot about the structure of this. I kind of like doing general. We're just picking out storylines and yeah, t- let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that will do it for us then. Uh, we were really happy to as you said go through that different type of episode. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, you can follow us on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. Be sure to leave a rating as well as that really, really helps us out. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at did you hear pod, and we will be back at it to walk off the week with uh, another baseball episode later. So Emma, that's a wrap.